0: Father, I just bring Thou into You, Lord, and I just thank You for the wisdom, the knowledge that You've placed in Him through Your Spirit, Lord. And I just pray that we'll be we'll be ready, Lord. Prepare our hearts right now, so that we can just just receive whatever word You've already spoken to Him, and that he, he that You'll just help Him relay this message. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Amen. Uh, We're going to be spending quite a bit of time in John chapter 17, if you guys want to turn there so long, and I'm really, really excited to share from John 17 with you. I think outside of the book of Romans, it's probably one of my absolute favorite portions of Scripture. So there's this excitement because Jesus is praying, but then there's also this nervousness because I have to try and interpret for you guys what Jesus was saying in his prayer. So what I'm really trusting for tonight is that his words speak louder than mine, that his heart behind this prayer would be communicated. not sure about you guys, but growing up, prayer was something that was really difficult for me to actually understand and to be a part of. I grew up in rural KZN in a place called Phoenix, and if ever you've been to a township church, then you'd understand what church was like there. You could pray for hours, hours, and hours, and hours. You'd be convinced that there's nothing left to pray about, and then there would be something else. So that was my initial introduction to prayer. And then I remember once when I was studying theology, was in an evening service setting as well, and one of the guys that had done my discipleship during a gap year program, he, uh, well, him and I used to do a lot of things together, so I guess my face was associated with his name, So I went up for prayer, and I was just asking that they would pray for my studies and things like that, and this guy, his name's JJ, uh, he had just proposed to his girlfriend, so they were getting married, and I go up. Now I'm excited. I'm being a good Christian as well, standing in the receiving position, saying all the right things, you know, if... A person prays and says, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I agree, amen, I receive, I receive. So I'm doing a lot of receiving in this prayer. And then the guy starts praying for my marriage that's coming up. And then I was like, whoa, 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 I don't want to receive anymore. We need to start discussing here what's going on. He prayed for me to have many kids, and then I realized, this guy thinks I'm someone else, actually. (laughs) And it was funny, it was entertaining, um... If I had a girlfriend, I would have broken up with her that week, you know, just uh, application for the prayer, but I didn't, Uh, She was good, and it got me thinking, often we hear the words of somebody praying for us, but we don't understand the heart that's behind it, and I wonder what Jesus' heart is for us here in John 17. I'm going to read from verse 20 and really trust that we would understand more of his heart. John 17, verse 20. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is one of the most complex prayers Jesus prayed wish he was here to help me just say what I'm supposed to say. But in reflecting over this throughout the week, in asking the Lord, what is he trying to communicate? I see three very, very clear things that come forward from the Scripture. Firstly, that we would remain in Christ. It's what Jesus is asking for. That the position of our hearts, the posture of our lives, would be rooted and remain in Christ. The essence of our being would be attached Found in who he is. Second thing that I see is that we would be one. Just as we see this unity between the Father and the Son, that we would also experience that. Number three, that the world would know and believe. The next logical step would be to ask the question well, how do we respond to that? If those are the three things that Jesus is asking for, let's just respond. Well, let's remain in Christ, let's facilitate some form of unity, let's go tell the world about it. And I think the church does that often. How many of you have ever heard of unity being spoken in the church? I've heard about it, lots and lots, yet I see so much division in the country that the church is supposed to be speaking to. Something is disconnected here. And we need to understand what is the heart behind this idea of unity? So we can go around throwing unity. I love that we prayed. I love that we submitted the idea of unity to the Lord. But if all the church ever does is hold hands to facilitate unity, how do we make a difference? How will the world actually know that he has sent us, that he has loved us to a place of transformation? It needs to be something more. You see, if it was just about a response, Jesus wouldn't have prayed these things. He would have simply commanded it. Remain in Christ. That's it. That's the command. Man, we could finish early and head to connect now if it was a bunch of commands. But it's not. It's an appeal from the heart of your Lord and Savior to understand something. It's more than just facilitating unity, but that's actually going to transform the world. How do we remain in Christ? It's a very good question. (laughs) I think it takes loads and loads of humility. See, when you remain in Christ, who you are slowly starts to fade away. It has to. It has to. You cannot be God in your own life and claim to worship Jesus at the same time. That doesn't work. As you journey with the Lord, as we've done this entire term, realized how we plug into the vine, how we connect with the Lord, how we allow Him to be Lord over our lives, how we allow Him to show us what to do, where to go, how to do it. But if humility is not a part of that, how will we ever be able to live sacrificially? This is what Jesus is saying, the best example of sacrifice that we've ever seen. This prayer was prayed hours before he was about to get arrested, put on trial, Whipped and then eventually killed for every single one of us in this room. These are the words that he's speaking and he's saying. So we can remain in Christ, but I don't see how we do that without humility, without an intentional choice to live day to day sacrificially. Here Jesus prays so that there would be complete unity in verse 23. So that we would be brought to this place of complete unity and it got me thinking well what does complete unity look like and you go around and you can ask the world what unity looks like and they'll give you certain options of what it could look like if you support certain sports teams you know a bit about unity you We'll believe the best things of your team, even when you shouldn't. You you believe in something. There's a unity that everybody carries. But I want to suggest if we're going to facilitate this complete unity that Jesus talks about, there needs to be a time or rather a thinking in our minds that transfers to our hearts where we become completely okay with being vulnerable. You see, when we're not comfortable with being vulnerable, what tends to happen is we put forward this fake presentation of who we are we put forward this image of the person that we actually want to be but deep down we know that's not who we are behind closed doors we know that is actually not who we are and I think what we do is walk around and present this lesser version or this non-accurate version of ourselves and we expect the Lord to work with that We expect Him to put us into this puzzle that He's busy building, but we're lying to Him about what piece we actually really are. We need to be able to be vulnerable so that the Lord can shape us into what He wants us to be, so that can actually fit into this puzzle that He's busy building. Number three, the world would know and believe, how do we get to that place? Well, we need to realize If it's about the world, knowing and believing, we need to become comfortable with the idea that actually this walk is not really going to be about us that much. You see, Jesus has loved us already. He's praying. He's already prayed for himself, for the disciples. He's prayed that we would be reminded of God's love. Read the verses before from verse 1 up until verse 20. It's a settled idea for Jesus that we're absolutely loved. But he knows this love. It's a love that transforms. And he's not just saying, let's experience this love. Let's walk around and tell the world about this love. He wants us to have the same love, the same experience of love that Jesus himself experienced from the Father. You might have felt some degree of God's love today. There's so much more. I don't know if in my personal spaces I've experienced the love like Jesus did. But I'm going to ask the Lord every day, help me experience it more. Even if it's 1% at a time, let me experience this love that's never going to end. Why? Because the more that I experience it, the more I am transformed. The more I'm transformed, the more I'm actually able to go out there and tell the world, listen, listen, actually, Jesus does have some answers for you. It would be lovely To end it there, well, that's what we go and do. That's how we apply it. But there's a purpose to this unity. There's a purpose to the unity. And it has to start with a transformative work inside us. It has to start with who we are. We cannot go and take, we even preach a message of unity to the world if there's not these things that we've dealt with in our hearts. If there's not these things we've dealt with within the church space like that we shared a word around a storm and it's weighty and significant and we felt it for not only this context but the context of the country we find ourselves in. I want to talk about that today, you see, because I could leave it there, become humble, be vulnerable, choose to submit to God's plans and you could leave and you could practice that day in, day out. All that does is make you as an individual a better person. Lord's not asking you to be a better person. He's asking you to do a lot more, to go and to tell the world about who He is. You see, this becomes difficult because it's easy to sit and let it be something just for ourselves. Then, when we look at our everyday contexts, and I don't know every single one of you in the room, but I assume there's people that study at university that's here. Assume there's people that work in. Some nice spaces, some not so nice. So even there's people that maybe you're still figuring things out. The problem that I see in the world is everything. It's almost like a line that divides us. Every single thing. Whether that's gender identity, it divides. Whether that's something like religion, it's, it divides. There's this thing called generation theory that divides people into certain age groups all over the world. We're told to live according to these lines that divide. And we're sold a lie. And we're told it's a comfort zone that we're in. It's not a comfort zone. It's an opportunity, an opportunity to let go of those things and step out and reach out to the people that are on the other side. it's, It's the word that was shared earlier on, that Jesus, he doesn't come and just... Stand here and call us and call us and call us. He steps closer to us. He takes the time to make those steps that we're not able to make. I started asking the Lord, well, okay, in this prayer, in John 17, if I see this humility, sacrifice, vulnerability, how do we apply it to this world that is so divided, to this world that lives according to its comfort zones? And I'd like to suggest that by applying all those things, we start, we start to win people over for the kingdom. Humility. How often does this country need people to pause and listen? Whichever cause you stand up for, whether that's for racism, whether you stand up for gender equality, whether you' are standing up for environmental issues, have you not gotten to a place where you're so frustrated and all you want is somebody to pause and to listen? What is it that you're going through? Just talk to me. Without humility, how will we ever be able to do that for the world? Here's a simple, tangible way that every single one of you tomorrow could go out and do. Find someone that's different. Find someone that you don't understand. And guess what? It's not your job to transform them or their circumstances. But be humble enough to just listen. From listening, you might know what sacrifice it is that you have to give. The other day, I was driving, doing some stuff for work, and there was a car that was stuck. So I'm with someone, we decide, well, we didn't really decide, you know. We were forced into the thing because the car was right in front of us. So we're stopping and we're helping. And we're doing it because we're good people wasn't an issue for me. The gentleman was much, much older. He was actually with his granddaughter who was, I think, still in school, high school or something like that. And you could see this old guy needed a bit of help. Stopped. I listened to what was going on, applied my Indian, and I knew about cars, and I was like, let me show you what's going to happen here. <laughs> and then I started fixing a bit, and uh, that didn't work. I had to go get the guy a new battery. But in coming back, what hurt my heart the most was this guy tried to pay me for the help I was willing to give. He wouldn't understand the concept that there are actually people that would go the extra mile for you and expect nothing in return. And it hurt me. It hurt me that in Pretoria there are so many churches around That man lived according to actually if somebody helps me, I need to give him something. No, no, no. where are the people that are willing to go the extra mile? That's what sacrifice is about. Vulnerability. Not just talking about telling people things or being vulnerable in your accountability groups. Those things are easy. Those things we know how to do. What I'm talking about is vulnerability with yourself. If the other people will not... Remove the lines that divide. If that old guy didn't want to remove lines that divide, it's nothing I can do. But the lines in my heart that divide, the lines that tell me not to help him because he's older, because he looks rich and he can figure it out by himself, where's his family? Every single line that would tell me to divide, if I'm vulnerable enough, I'm willing to push those away. I have to be. One of the things we've spoken about this term is that there's enough space at the table for everyone. And I love that, because I believe that with all my heart, that in God's kingdom, absolutely everybody, everyone belongs. They're loved, and this is home. But it got me thinking we're comfortable with saying there's space, there's space, there's space. If we really believe that, why will we not get up off our own seats and offer it to someone else? Come on, there's space, you'll find it. Give it up for the other people. Be vulnerable, be willing to lay down who you are so that the Lord can work through you. What are we submitting to? We're submitting to this idea that the Lord can use us, as imperfect as we are, to do all of those things in interactions with other people. Why? So that the world would know. So that there would be something of His glory reflected to the world. See, I think sometimes we start off with wanting the world to know who the Lord is. Wanting the world to know His goodness, but we're too lazy to put in the work that Jesus Himself prayed we would we need to get to that point where we're willing to say, "Lord, if this is your prayer daily, let my life be an answer to it." I was in Namibia for an outreach, and don't want to offend anyone from Namibia, but, man, that place is unnecessarily hot. Like I'm from Durban, so you know heat is something I'm generally used to, but Namibia Wow. It is unnecessarily hot. So we're there on Outreach, and I've only packed one hoodie. But it happens to be my favorite hoodie of all time. It wasn't a name brand. It was just I liked the pattern that was going on. My mom had bought this hoodie for me. And I used to joke around and say, if I go to the gym, I'm going to wear it on the treadmill. It was one of those, man. Like, I just really, really loved this hoodie. So take it on outreach, and I'm in my comfort zone. I'm operating in these lines that divide, but I'm actually going and trying to talk about unity and building God's kingdom. We go out the one evening. Thankfully, it was a bit colder that evening, so I could wear my hoodie, and now I'm ready to showcase to the outreach team, to every single person I minister to, the power of my hoodie. I'm ready. Wearing it, we're walking around, and... The team was getting along really, really well with each other, and I was just being lazy, so I was hanging back a bit, and they were motoring. And they said something around, we're not going to minister, there's going to be a lot of people that you find here that are drunk, and we're not going to minister to them. Actually, just, you know, just be friendly with them, but they're not going to be able to receive because they're a bit out of it, which makes a bit of sense in my mind at that time. So I continue walking. I get distracted because there's this really drunk guy outside the KFC. Now, the KFC smell is enough to distract you. So I, now the team is going there. I'm looking at this drunk guy, and I'm thinking, you know, we should really get some food. Uh, i trying to call the team, and I see they're gone off. Now it's myself and this drunk guy. And he says, will you pray for me? And I'm like, oof don't really want to. Oh, I don't say that to him, but I'm like, okay, okay, pray for him. It's even worse because he's speaking Afrikaans, and my Afrikaans is not that great, so I'm really struggling to understand what this drunk Afrikaans person wants me to pray. Don't even ask the Lord what I should do. I just put my hand on him, I pray, and I really decide I need to find my team, This is what happens when you minister without a team. That literally was my thinking. I run to my team, and as I get there, I feel the Lord say I need to go back. Now, when the Lord does this with me, I know it's not going to be a quick process. I know something's about to happen. So I go back with my hoodie. This guy smells really, really bad. Um, He lives on the streets. He smells really bad. Another push toward the edge of my comfort zone. And I'm there and I'm speaking to him and I don't know what to say. I don't even know if he's going to understand me. And it's one of the most uncomfortable things for me to do. The Lord says to me, Darwin, take your jacket off. Take it off, get it ready. And I'm like, the Lord's going to ask me to give away this hoodie because I'm too prideful. Lesson learned. Okay. Already assuming that I know what the Lord's going to be doing through this. And then he takes... The hoodie, I I give it to him. And I'm like, I want you to have this. It's yours. I want you to just uh, enjoy it. Then the Lord says to me, the work's not yet done. You need to ask him for the jacket that he's wearing. Oh, okay, Lord, you just want to, you know, replace the old with the new. Eh, Okay, Lord, I understand. Here, let me take it. Then the Lord said to me, please put it on. I have not smelled something that smells that bad. I have not... Felt that uncomfortable. I put it on and I felt things crawling up. I felt rashes developing, although there weren't any. Uh, It just felt really, really uncomfortable. And I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? The Lord responds and he says to me, you did not want to pray for this person. You didn't want to, but you felt for a couple of minutes what this person goes through, and all you can do is cry out to me. And he asked me, will you listen when I call you again? And I fell to my knees, and I cried. I wept in front of This guy must have thought I was crazy, you know, taking his jacket. Now I'm on the floor. He must have been like, you're this guy. I wonder what he's drinking, because... I'm there, and I'm, <laughs> I've got my face all of a sudden in something that I thought was absolutely dirty, filthy. It smelt. I've got this jacket in my face, and it was the only thing close by to console me and my tears because I chose to listen to the Lord, because I chose to be humble enough to wear that thing, because I decided to be vulnerable and go out there. When, when, when the rules dictated that I shouldn't, When what was generally acceptable said, I shouldn't, I chose to go out there. It doesn't make me a good person. It's just a reminder of the ultimate example that we have. We worship Jesus who many years ago chose to come to us. When we smelled bad, when the state of our lives was so disgusting that people didn't want to be around us, he chose And he chooses over and over and over. And here he is about to culminate this entire process. He's been teaching. He's been preaching. He's been setting people free. Now he's about to go and seal it all and pay the ultimate price. And these are the words that he offers. That we would be one. So that the world would know we're loved. So that the world would know the Father has sent the Son and that the world would be privileged enough to experience His glory. I wonder if we're sitting here today, it's easy to facilitate unity in a church space. All I have to do is ask you guys to hold each other's hands. Can we facilitate the unity that Jesus Himself prayed for out in the world? Or is... <laughs> Is the redemption of the world beyond the power of Jesus? I don't think it is. I think we need to be brave enough to believe that. Now look at this prayer. It reminds me that often when we pray, we take things to the Lord. Sometimes I think God gets tired of me praying. So i ask for a lot. Or I vent a lot with him. Just dump stuff there. And the reason I do that is because I believe in him. Pray to the Lord because I believe in him, trust him, and I also love him. It's why I can pray and take all these things to him. The more I read John seventeen twenty to twenty six, through Jesus' prayer I think it's an invitation an invitation for us to actually live out what he prayed. Not to go and solve it, not to become the answer to his prayer, but to daily live out the words and the heart that Jesus prayed. Why? Why that invitation? Because I honestly believe with all my heart, with everything that I am, Jesus would invite us to play a role in redeeming the world with him. Because just like we pray to him and he believes, we believe in him, he believes in us, he actually trusts us. And He loves us enough to say, come, let's go and change the world together. So we talk about unity. We talk about being ready for unity. Start by reading our hearts to be completely His, to be a part of this Father-Son-Spirit relationship. And from that place, live out where absolutely everybody, absolutely every single person that we encounter has the opportunity to come and be a part of this family and get to know who the King of Kings is. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to hand over to Stephen. We want to do communion this evening, but we don't want it to just be a simple, if you're trusting for healing, if you're the usual stuff. We're talking about unity, being unified, being one in this body. And it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus that we're able to do that. So, Father, I pray. I pray that we would become people of humility. Father, I pray that we would be marked by a willingness to submit to your will. Father, that we would be vulnerable, first to you and then to the world, because we know that you hold us safe. Father, we want to do all of this so that we can respond, so that our lives can be a response to your prayer. That we would be one, so that the world would know who you are, and that the world would be able to experience your love and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: So just as we prepare our hearts to do communion, I'm just going to read from Luke 22, from verse 14. So that um, just before the well, for the Passover meal, uh, the Jewish festival, and um, it says, "Yeah, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, and Jesus said." I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until, it is, until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So I just want to say that as we going to this time of communion, it's from that place that Darwin is saying is that we realize the sacrifice that Christ made and we do it to remember Him. We do it because we're in a new covenant. So I'm just going to ask maybe one or two of the leaders if you can just uncover the... And maybe just in this space, maybe find someone and and just pray with them and and do it together in this space as a community. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll just go into that. Father, I just thank you for your blood that was shed. I thank you for your, your body that was beaten and bruised. For the sacrifice that you made. For the suffering that you went through so that we can be here in this place not that we earn it not that we're worthy for it but just to be in this place where we can experience your kingdom here on earth help us to go this step further help us to be unified and when we do it Lord we remember you I just pray in Jesus name Amen
1: as, as Stephen was sharing I thought a really practical way of applying what we've spoken about this evening. So as you come up to partake in communion, find somebody that you don't know. Find somebody that's different. Find somebody that's going to force you to step outside of your comfort zone, even if it's learning their name. Share communion with the person. And at least you know the person's name. You've got their face in mind. Pray for that person in the week. Pray for them. Trust that the Spirit would speak to you about this person. Pray for them, hold them, carry them in your heart and ask them how they're doing when they come next week Sunday. I think it's one of the easiest ways we can practically apply this unity. So as you guys come forward, I challenge you. You don't have to, but I challenge you. Find somebody you don't know. Maybe you do it as a group. Let's carry each other. Let's show the world actually we're willing to do this thing of unity. Amen.